When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I am Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to uh, the fourth part of this year's Noel Edmonds Christmas Odyssey. Uh, we're looking at the 1988, um, what was it called again? Christmas Morning with Noel, which mm. was on BBC One. Um, if you saw it at the time, get in touch. Tell us your memories of it. <laughs> or, or don't. Um, so where are we up to? Yeah, we the, the, the kid with cancer has just gone up. Uh, he hasn't got up in a helicopter yet. He's about to go up in a helicopter. We've uh, cut to some aunties bloomers, some very low quality outtakes from the BBC archive. Um, I was going to say this thing. This thing is kind of based in history. The BBC used to do a thing in house every year called the Christmas tapes, right? Where the editing team mm. uh, used to put together their own videos of all the outtakes, and they'd get distributed around the staff at the BBC. Oh yeah. Um, and they, they they also do these are all on YouTube now. This is started in like the mid seventies, mm. and they do their own kind of acting in it. It's oh like my really goodness! Wooden bad acting. These these nerds are kind of live in the basement behind the scenes. People, yeah, oh. people do like the editing and video yeah. technology and all this kind of thing. These these kind of nerds would like be featured on screen. They're quite charming and quaint if you watch them on on YouTube. They're very much of their time. And I think some kind of racier versions would sometimes go out as well with lots of outtakes of presenters swearing their fucking heads off when something <laughs> went wrong. You know, like Michael Aspel would make a, a, a mistake and be, oh, fuck, fuck this. I fucked it up. Kind of thing. I think that looking back, that puts me mind, looking back on this year, 2022, all these years later, you know, we had to rely on that sort of stuff and most of it was just internal and the public didn't get to see it. But probably the moment of the year, this year, TV moment of the year, was um, Christian Guru Murphy just giving it, what a cunt. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about yeah. him the other day. Has he been reinstated yet or did he get biffed for on, that? Yeah, oh, they give him a thank week God. off for it or something, yeah. Got oh, a week's back. Thank God. I mean, because I, I thought, so I was thinking about it, I was thinking, yeah, in the old days, that would have been unforgivable. Like, back in the year we're looking mm. at now, the 88, yeah, yeah, yeah. if a, a mainstream new political journalist had said, what a cunt, about mm. a fucking senior politician live on air. Or Jill. Yeah, it would, have, it would have just been, that would have been it. There'd be no coming back. There would have been public inquiries and everything. Whereas I now, it's just that. like, give him a week off. Yeah, I had to think there about who it was he was talking about. It was Steve Baker, wasn't it? Because there's like so many of them are cunts and could be called cunts. And yeah, like, but the thing is as well, people will try, because Channel 4 News comes in for stick off the Tories because they think they're anti-Tory or what yeah. have you. The truth is they just don't fucking bend like the BBC do or ITN. Yeah. They're just like ridiculous. It's like that I thought, oh, they'll make huge capital out of this. So it's further proof. 
that it's like Channel 4 News is a left-wing conspiracy. You know, of course, Jon Snow was filmed at Glastonbury shouting, fuck the Tories. (laughs) (laughs) So they already had form. So if they're building a dossier against Channel 4 News, this would have been quite strong. But mm. the truth is, it's neither here nor there that he's he's a Tory. It's because they were having, they, he was being awkward. They were being awkward with each other and having a little bit of a back and forth on air and then off air mm. as well. Afterwards, there was a little bit of afters, and so he said, "What a cunt," which we all do in whatever our jobs are every day, one way or another. And the politicians yeah. will be saying that all the time about the journalists, and I'm sure Christian have been saying that about Labour MPs. Lib Dem one, whoever it is, it's just mm. part. Of, it's, just, it's nice to know that actually saying what I can't about people nowadays is just everyday chat, isn't it? Mm. And it was Steve Baker who, of course, is a cunt. So, he is a cunt, yeah. Know, it was accurate. Mm. Um, but there's also that thing where so many of the, the journalists on, on lots of channels regularly mispronounce Jeremy Hunt as Jeremy Cunt. On purpose, yeah. And Well, yeah, of course, they make it look like it's accidental. It's really hard to mispronounce Jeremy Hunt. Yeah, it's, it's a not really easy Jeremy name Hunt. to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to go out of your way to say Jeremy Cunt. What's interesting about that is, is that, you know, that was a big thing for a while because there was, I look back on when there was someone, it was actually our former colleague, Josh, Josh Cluderay, made a supercut of all of the Jeremy Cunts, right? And it went and it went viral, went really viral, right? And at the time, it was like, yeah, Jeremy Cunt, he's such a cunt. He was health secretary, right? But now he's the chancellor, which is easy to forget in the year of turmoil that we've just had. But I have to say, you probably won't agree with me on this, is that in the context of Tory cunts, Jeremy Hunt, used to be regarded when he was health secretary under Cameron as like one of the biggest cunts of them all. Now, everything that's happened since post Boris, Rishi, Mm. all this stuff, he doesn't seem like he's, he wouldn't even touch the top 20 cunts. I'm looking back and I'm thinking, it's a bit harsh on old Jeremy Hunt. Do you know what I mean? Like a bit harsh. He's not that bad because it's all relative. Yeah. He just seems like, (laughs) You're sort of like, oh, well, at least he's Chancellor. At least it's not someone who is fucking utterly insane. Yeah. So, I well, don't know. Course, it's like context shifts all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. And, of course, when he was health secretary, he was regarded as a, a, a fucking lunatic who was trying to dismantle it. That's what they say. But, you know, like, people within the NHS, even the very sort of, you know, died-in-the-wall left-wing mm. NHS stalwarts, they say mm. that he was um, one of the better health secretaries, Tory health secretaries, because he was um, he understood it and he had a constant dialogue with the doctors and the hospitals and the medical professionals. That's what they right. say. I know quite a few people who work in the NHS and like they're left wing people, and they go fucking out. Right, really? They well, they just say you know, as Tory health secretaries go, he was certainly not nearly the fucking. He wasn't a complete incompetent asshole. Yeah. Well, that's good to know, I suppose. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, he's still a cunt, but I'm saying there's cunts and there's cunts, and the the cunt, um, what would we call it? The cunt context, uh, or the the context. cunt, the cunt dialectic is constantly shifting, isn't it? Mm. Don't yeah. forget, we well, used to all think John Major was the biggest cunt in the country. Now we all look back and go, "Ah, oh, John Major, he's brilliant. He was all right, wasn't he, with his cricket and his real ale." <laughs> Uh, yeah. Nice guy, and he's 
Corn hotlines and but, all that. But at the time, yeah. we would be like, "Fucking major, you can't." He's, he was he was almost like a bit of a hippie prime minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tory. <laughs> he was great, yeah. But we uh, hated the, him at the time. Yeah, he had it off with a read of curry. He's mad. Yeah, he's large in it. <laughs> the, uh, the, um, the, the, I don't, when I wrote my book about political ads, the guys who worked for him and made his ads during the election campaign and stuff, they always say that it, they'd turn up at Downing Street and they'd been previously used to working with Thatcher and it could be quite formal and she was very old-fashioned sort of thing and didn't understand any pop cultural reference and was very uh, parsimonious and things like that and uh, sort of almost didn't acknowledge the existence of drugs was one of right, the things yeah. I stories I heard about at once, right? Um, like a sort just of don't exist. A, yeah, just a weird old parent who just like lived in the fifties in her mind and wouldn't accept anything. Um, we're going to get onto her in a minute on this yeah, show, in fact, because she on, does yeah. appear on this old Christmas show. But um, Major, they said they, you know, they went around see Major and he had this reputation for being boring. They were used to dealing with that, and you know, they turn up at Downing Street and he'd just be up in his flat. You know, they have like a little sort of their living space at the top of Downing Street, rest offices. Yeah, and they go, oh yeah. Just go up. It was like when you visit Thatcher towards the end. It was like you were visiting the Queen with the formalities around. They go, just mm. he's, he's just upstairs in his in his rig, and they say that they'd go up and he'd just be dressed casual and he'd give it like this. Hello, boys. Anyone want a beer? And they'd go, <laughs> uh, no. They'd look at their watches like, oh no, it's a bit early. He goes, tip us ten in the morning, and he'd go like this. He'd always say to them, I'm having a beer. You're going to have a beer? And they'd always end up going, yeah, all right. He goes, yeah, let's all have a beer. And he'd get them all to sit on the sofa and they'd all have a beer. And they said they were really, like, shocked and sort of not mm. knocked by it because their Thatcher had been in for so many years. That was their only yeah, concept yeah. of how a Prime Minister acted. And it was all right because the rest of the country weren't in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was fine to have beer parties. Would you like to come to Downing Street for one of our beer parties? An what? alcoholic beer what? party. What, what Prime Minister? <laughs> Well, you want to talk about your pointless ads, but I thought it would be another excuse for us to have some daytime beers. Would you like some daytime beers? Go on, come over now in a taxi. I'm bored shitless. Yeah, there's <laughs> literally nothing going on. There's no cricket on at this time of year. I've uh, I've heard a lot of you ad guys go in for the old cocaine. Never tried it myself. I saw a lot of it about in my circus days. A lot of the trapeze artists <laughs> would take it before going out into the tent. And we'd sometimes, for fun, give it to the elephants. <laughs> Never tried it myself. Bring some over if you can. We'll give it a whiz. <laughs> You've got some. <laughs> you got yeah. some. Bring it over to Downing Street. No problem at all. We'll do it upstairs in my rig. Yeah. And, of course, they probably all still do it to this day. Hmm. Um, so we've got, uh, yeah, we've had the Anties Bloomers bit. And then we go over to the car park of TV centre. Um I mean, I've worked at BBC Television Centre a few times over the years. I'm sure you have. You yeah. have as well. It's a fucking marvellous place. Yeah, it's um, lovely. I got a big thrill from going there to meetings and, and working there and stuff because it's just such a big part of growing up and watching yeah. the telly. I was there at the it's weekend because it's, it's a media hub now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a club. Yeah. It's and, flats uh, as well, isn't it, some of it? You are. Some of it's flats as well. Yeah, they built on the side of it flats. I've got a mate, Jay, who lives in the flats there. You know Jay. All right, yeah. That's where he lives. Oh, nice one. So I've been up to his flat there, and then next to it, there's like a media uh, compound um, that I was at at the weekend, and I was telling my daughter about it. I was saying, let's see, because they kept some of the pictures and fittings. 
and I was trying to get so I said the interesting thing about this place is I said it was where everything was made and she went what mm. do you mean everything I said every everything. every TV show on the BBC everything was made and she went what like EastEnders I went no no not, not EastEnders <laughs> and she's going well like what and I went uh, the news she went never watched it I go the BB I go Top of the Pops she went never seen Top of the Pops and I said Blue Peter and she was like what's that and I was like, okay, I'm really struggling to find something to get her to relate to and think that she's in, like, an interesting place. Do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, It was a long time ago. I used so, to do Five um, Live. My first radio presenting gig was there, Five Live, Saturday mornings. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just walking in through the door, even, yeah, I was in my 30s by then. But, mm-hmm. even, yeah, just walking through the door and the security chap and all the rest of it. It's a shame it's not there anymore, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So uh, we're in the car park. There's a big helicopter there. Um, Noel hands Kit, the boy, over to the pilot. He takes him over the helicopter. Or he might be, I don't know, what the rear gunner, whatever, whatever. The pilot's probably sat there piloting it. Not the pilot he gives him to. Piloting about. Uh, pilot assistant, whatever he's called. Um... And Noel, of course, thanks them for giving up their Christmas to do this for us. It's a regular thing throughout this show. Uh, oh yeah, the um, there's some dedications that he reads out from the from the crew. This is in spite of the fact there was a no dedications rule at the beginning of the show. I don't want dedications; they get in the way. But it's it's littered with dedications. So Kit's going to fly over London. He says we're going to see some sights. Uh, he says they practiced this a week ago, and it is tight. <laughs> getting the thing out of there you know it's, it's like there's a chance this fucker could bring down television centre if they get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die in a fireball <laughs> and of course then Noel goes into helicopter fetish mode which is you're never far from the surface with him he says uh, once he's strapped in the sheer brute force of this Westland Lynx helicopter one of the finest helicopters in the world, is going to power its way straight up and out of here. It gets, it gets better. He says, the downwash from these is quite phenomenal. <laughs> oh, mate, purposefully chucking in his fucking technical terms to show everyone what a helicopter yeah. pro he is. I know all about helicopters. And I know I'm going to all prove about using the word downwash. I'm, I'm probably, if anything, I'm more experienced and skilled than these guys. But obviously, I've got a TV show to present, so I can't fight <laughs> yeah. today. Uh, it's quite phenomenal. A top speed of almost 200 knots. You probably don't know what that means sitting at home. <laughs> but believe me, it's very impressive. And then he's going, uh, it starts to take off. He's going, there he goes. As it starts to go up. He says, uh, he's pulling up on the power. He's going to kick it back slightly, turning to the right. <laughs> it's all like <laughs> fucking. Noel's fucking helicopter toy time um, and then he says everything is going here in Wood Lane anything that's not tied down has been blown away <laughs> <laughs> so it's Christmas day Noel's got this helicopter into television centre just it's only just fit into the car park and not only that once it takes off it's just fucking the entire street up bus shelters are flying around bins all sorts it's just chaos but uh, that's what we love, isn't it? And it's all for a good cause. Yeah. We're getting a, a little kitty up into the sky there. That's not been well. 
He says our Christmas kit, our Christmas treat for kids just started, and we'll get some pics in a little while. And then he he teases at his hair. And he goes, "Oh, I need to get my hair sorted out now." <laughs> blowing around, and it has been blowing. You can see it blowing around. It's an impressive sight, but it's it still retains its shape. So that's good. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Jalapeño. And then... He switches to something which you really weren't expecting coming at all. And he just says, uh, here's some Christmas messages for you now from uh, Paddy Ashdown, from David Owen, and from Neil Kinnock. It comes totally out of the blue, this. Like, you'd right. warned me, right? It wasn't you, teed up at all. You'd warned me. And yeah. this is, again, I go back to what I said the other day. Like, the one that we did in 85, to me, and I, I've been f- thinking about it a lot, actually, when I finished watching this show today. Like... There's a real difference in my emotional response to the 85 one and the 88 mm. one. And it's quite interesting, isn't it? Do you think it's to do sub- subconsciously where you were at, like mentally or emotionally in your life at that time? Because when I see the 85 one, mm. I was filled with so much excitement and joy. And mm. with this 88 one, I'm not, not slating it. It's a, it's a romp. It's an absolute romp. But my emotional response to it has been quite different. I think and it's I, just I don't, it's I, just got a different vibe, hasn't it's it? It's got a different vibe, but I really think like the eighties had moved on so much. Like, and yeah. obviously in eighty five, I was ten, and so I was still at primary school where life is more simple, isn't it? And yeah. secondary school makes everything more complicated, and that's mm. where I would have been when this came out. I'd have been thirteen, very different. Mm. And I'm just like thinking, I'm all of a sudden he just fucking I wasn't expecting it was so different to 85 they would have never had politicians on that would have been anathema to Noel of 1985 because politicians are dull but he's trying to go I I feel like Noel has decided that he wants to be much less of a the kind of you know fun almost like the fun red coat of Britain to being almost more like he's almost like the, the beating heart the voice of everything 
this goes back to the very beginning of what we were talking about in episode one, because the episode one, sorry, the 85 one was called mm. The Late Late Christmas Breakfast Show. Yeah. And The Late Late Breakfast Show was still on. Yeah. Subsequently, Michael Lush died, mm. and Noel has probably changed or toned down his entire yeah. vibe. And this is what we've got. This is 1988, Noel. 1985's has- was office party gone wild. Yeah, exactly. It was up the post office tower. There was people running up the steps. We had ice bore trying to yeah, there was, there fridge was, or whatever. There was flagrant was drunkenness. Just, yeah, it was just mad, madcap mayhem. Yeah. And now this is almost like he's sobered up. Uh, he's, he's clearly been watching Silla's Surprise, Surprise. Yeah. Because you've yeah. got families in and they're all yeah. looking forward to hopefully winning a lovely family prize. Being um, reunited, the, the, classic the Silla stuff. Yeah. The politicians that are going to come on are um, all talking about families and stuff like that. It's a much more um, middle-class, middle-of-the-road kind of... Exactly. Yeah, it's less salient. And I think the whole political thing in particular, it's like, yeah, he's gone a bit... He's gone legit. Do you know what I mean? He he wants to be much more become... I don't know you'd compare him to, like a Dimbleby-like figure. Not completely political. He just doesn't want to make a TV show where a member of the public gets killed. Yeah, exactly, and he and he Again, thinks he thinks if you have the lights of Ashdown and Owen on, it's safe. That's what he thinks. Posted, somebody posted a clip from the last episode of the first series of Little mm. Late Breakfast Show from 1982, and it's like a look back over the series so far, and he's talking about um, that that feature, which was, it was called Give It, Give it a Whirl. Yeah, because they'd have that big wheel and they'd spin the wheel and that would choose who was going to do the stunt and they were basically giving something a whirl yeah that's something they'd never tried before and in the in in the end it ended in tragedy um but he, he talks about it in this episode and he says now a look at the section of the show which around the office we jokingly like to call next of kin <laughs> because we think at some point we're gonna to have to make a phone call oh my and god he's, he's, He's saying, yeah, someone might die doing this. Oh, my God. That's yeah. awful. Yeah. Someone flagged that up. It's it's on Twitter, I think. And the whole the whole episode's on YouTube. It's a great episode because it's got ABBA in it. Really? ABBA do two songs live from Sweden. Yeah, wow. It's like ABBA's like final performance, I think, or something like oh, that. Oh, is it a satellite link-up? Noel's favourite thing. Yeah. 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 So, and Barry Manilow's on it. And Barry Manilow gets bigged up so much more than ABBA does at the beginning of it. Really? Which wow. seems weird. Seems weird now, yeah. yeah. Although any show now would still kill for to have both those acts on the same bill. Yeah, but Abba had kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit, kind of the year before. Yeah, the songs weren't hits quite as much. It was like Abba. Abba yesterday's the the yesterday's news. Yeah. Manilow is what Manilow. all the kids are talking about now. Yeah. Manilow, Manilow, Manilow. Yeah, uh, I, I so, myself consider myself a fanilo. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> we'll scrap so, cancel that it's not going in the main script I thought it would on paper it looked great but uh, not so much out loud so they get these political messages on you've got Paddy Ashton uh, he's just kind of riffing it he just says uh, I'd never leave home at Christmas it belongs to the family and we're going to have a fabulous Christmas I hope you two do etc et then David Owen who's like kind of in, almost shrouded in darkness and it's a bit creepy mm. he talks about how he's going to be in the United States because it's his 20th wedding anniversary and <laughs> he and his wife got married in America and hopefully we'll be in the snow basically he's just said fuck the lot of you it's very I'm David Owen that da- David yeah. Owen's whole stick is me 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 
right? Mm. So David Owen, it's just classic, like, all right, all right, little people, I'm David Owen. Yeah. I'm fucking amazing. I was foreign secretary when I was about 12. Want to know what I'm doing? <laughs> I'll tell you this much, it's better than what any of you are doing. I'm going to the US of A with my beautiful wife. <laughs> Up yours. Can this was skiing. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Neil Kinnock comes out, does the longest message, and he just talks about all the tragedy that's been in 1988. Really weird. So weird. The awful earthquake in Armenia, the Soviet Union, uh, floods in Bangladesh, the hurricane in the Caribbean, the conflicts in Cambodia to the Middle East, to the Horn of Africa. But then he says everything's going to be all right because we're going to, like, build peace together and we're all one world and all that. But we've got just got to have a nice day of, of peace and love and then multiply it by 365 every year. Peace and piss. Job done. Yeah. Uh, See you Kenna, in 92. out. Drop mic. I'm off to get pissed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kinnock, you're looking at him there and what he's what he's trying to do is appear prime ministerial right that's yeah. his that's yeah. what his thing is so he's in front of a big christmas tree he's quite smart and he's speaking in a sort of very not his usual fire and brimstone that very sober prime minister addresses yeah. the nation sort of way but i think it would have been a great prime minister but you know sadly you look back and you think no mainstream britain was never gonna vote for him to enough of an extent because there was just something about him that didn't strike them as prime ministerial and by the time he got his act together which was after they lost in 87 he started being a lot more smart and wearing sober suits and toning down some of his kind of rhetoric it was too late because people had already seen him being mental and then of course he lost his nut in 92 anyway and started shouting stuff at that rally at the Sheffield rally yeah He started talking in American <laughs> out of the blue, and people were like, oh, yeah. "Okay, he I hasn't he, changed." He also he's still I think volatile. He arrived there, didn't he arrive there in a helicopter? Had, yeah, as well? he did. Yeah, he'd gone there nuts. Go. He'd See? gone nuts. But in this, it's just weird because he is a. He, I think he is a superb, world class, right up there with Obama, fantastic orator. A million yeah. times the orator than Thatcher ever was, mm. right? You see these three politicians in a row, and Kinnock is clearly the standout guy. But the content yeah. of what he's saying is absolutely fucking weird, right? So yeah. He's got all his advisors around. He goes, what are we going to fucking talk about? I've got to look prime ministerial, right? So we don't want to be making political points against the Tories because that's not the dumb thing. It's Christmas. And they've said, well, what you want to do, you want to be presidential. And what a president would do is talk about the entire world. The world. Yeah. Well, what have we got? What's been going on in the world this year? Lots of <laughs> disasters. Fine. Give me a list of those. I'll read them out. <laughs> That's it. He reads some disasters out there and goes, well, what can you do? Hello. <laughs> We've all just got to be nice. Tried, love each other a bit more. One thing that runs through the show is a real sense of, uh, like, the Cold War is thawing. That's a recurring theme. Yeah. Like, Kinnock says yeah, yeah. that. Kinnock says it. Then we'll get on to Thatcher says it. And then there's the whole thing with the cosmonauts as well. The Russians, yeah, yeah. And it's very clear that there's a, there was a vibe in 1988 that finally the Cold War was beginning to thaw, which must have been a great mm. relief, not least to Noel, because Noel would have been thinking all the way through the 80s, I'm building my empire and nothing can stop me other than mm. Armageddon. And I that's mean, the one thing know? that I cannot control, is those fucking yeah. Russians with their fingers on the button. Maybe someone within the British government reached out to Noel Edmonds up to the BBC mm. and said, maybe it'll be a good idea to have the Mia Space Station on yeah. one of your shows. We can get that. Russia are up for it. 
Well, it's all part of the, th- the thawing process. I'm, you know, listen, I'm going to spoiler alert now, right? But since we're on this topic, it's fucking amazing. But they have an exclusive message from Ronald Reagan, right? Yeah. Which is absolutely remarkable. I think Reagan, Bush would have just, George Bush Sr. would have just won the election and Reagan would have just been waiting because you do the last well, few Reagan months. Well, come at the end of his two terms, so he was going to... He, he would he have been start. leaving at the end of January. Yeah. But so he was, but he was still officially president. He's so still there, uh, a valedictory he, tour sort he of He probably stuff. didn't yeah. have much on, so when the letter came yeah. through from Noel, he said, fuck it, I'll do it. Right, yeah. there's some, there's a guy, Nancy. There's some guy called Noel Edmonds in uh, the United <laughs> Kingdom who wants me to record something for Christmas. So he's got Reagan. He does an interview with Thatcher that is worthy of much closer inspection, and then he speaks to the cosmonauts. And you put that all together, and you think, fucking hell! In one hour, he is basically what he what he's striving to do is bring about world peace in one hour. Mm. He's got every mm. voice in the geopolitical landscape involved, right? He's got the big guns, hasn't he? I yeah. bet you he would have he would have definitely gone for Gorbachev. And when they mm. and when the Kremlin said no, he said, "All right, how about some fucking cosmonauts then?" And they've gone, "All right. That's the compromise." <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um we'll get onto those, well, there's not much to say because they don't say that much other than what you just mentioned. I think the Thatcher interview is very worthy of our oh, the inspection. Good. And the, the Cosmonaut interview yeah. goes on for so long that I yeah. cannot believe that this show is just an hour. I've never said one thing I will say about this, as much as I don't like it as much as the 85 one, the amount of content crammed into one hour, this is like, uh, this is a, a, an absolute feat of television production. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Between Noel and his producers, yeah. there is just so much going on, it's unbelievable. There's even time for Shane Ritchie to do some antics later in the yes. show as well. Yes, which he'll have got a kick in for later on, probably. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Shane Ritchie. Do you think, do you think in your wildest fantasies that a man like you would ever, ever be able to interview Mrs. Thatcher? And secure an exclusive pre-recorded Christmas message from Ronald Reagan. <laughs> that's just never going to happen, Richie, because you're seen as a joke. You're seen as a joke because that's what you are, a fucking joke. Take a look in the mirror at that hairstyle that you're sporting and then look at mine. <laughs> Make the comparisons and sort your fucking life out. Richie, you, went, you, you shot for the king today and you missed. <laughs> What you you thought this was your opportunity to topple Noly and take your place at the top of the tree of the Christmas television tree, but you failed. And what you're going away with today is a powerful enemy in the form of me, Noel Edwards, Noel <laughs> fucking Edwards. <laughs> so then after that, they go to the swap board with the top ten, as in no um, multicolored swap shop used to have. And as I said before, some of these on here, they're not real. They've just put them on to, to get a, something to talk about. And I think a couple of the phone calls they have, they're, they're stooges that have been set up. There's a woman who's offering her, her husband Duncan, and she wants, in exchange for him, a dishwasher. There's the fellow with the leather file of facts that we mentioned earlier who will swap it for anything. And Noel makes his comment about his yuppie moment is at an end or something like that. Death to the yuppies. That's what I say. <laughs> Um, Les Arseholes. Dawson Arseholes with ponytails and smelly feet Trust me, not to be trusted 
Les Dawson who comes on the phone and he's swapping two fire engines and he wants a Ferrari driven by Linda Lusardi. Um, of course, his name's wrong on the board. It's Les Dallison, but then he comes on the phone and he says, Les Dawson, not Les Dallison. And Noel says, Les Dawson, are you fat? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That's all he's got to say about Les Dawson. Unbelievable. Well, he, yeah, yeah. And the fella says, yeah, pretty large. So, <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, what is it about the Ferrari you like? He goes, ah, oh, nothing really. Just Linda Lusardi, I suppose. Great Linda Lusardi content. Uh, there's a fellow with two slippers, different sizes. He'll swap for anything. He, Noel mentions as well that the uh, the sweater he had on last year went for £5,000 that somebody had bid for it. Uh, he's taking bids for this one that he's got on, which we think is excellent. His Adidas uh, snowman yeah. sweater. Uh, money he'll go to children in need, so get bidding, he says. Um... Lynn Parkins is on the on the board there. She's offering some big slippers, brackets pink. Uh, she gets on the phone and Noel says, uh, yeah, hi, Lynn. Uh, I hear you've got some big ones. Uh, slippers, that is. <laughs> oh, dear me. Dear me. No, there's something about Noel making boob gags that just doesn't sit well yeah. with me. Really doesn't. Yeah, he does another sex gag later on with a woman which is equally unedifying. But, um, yeah, it's not right, is it? So she wants some perfume and bubble bath in exchange for her big slippers because she's got two pairs of them. Um, And that's the end of the swap board bit. And then he says, coming up, we've got the Mia Space Station link up and Mrs. Thatcher and here comes Ronald Reagan. And we'll cover all of that in the fifth and final episode in a couple of days' time. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.